I'm really a fan of of like telling people like hey like whatever movement you like whatever sports you like just do it and if you want to push push like get better and work on it and evolve but that's also not that doesn't need to be like not for everyone like not everyone needs to always like push their limits but everyone should move and have fun with the way of movement they're doing Dark Starts, the podcast, is sponsored by Handout Gloves, the best thing since shoes got laces. Experience five-finger freedom with Handout Gloves' patented zipper technology and enable yourself to get everything you need so you can do what you want. We're also supported by Powder King Mountain Resort in the Pine Pass, BC. Don't forget to bring your snorkel. Face shots are the norm. This show is supported by Koo Sports and their full line of snowboard and ski waxes and tools. Pro Standard in the Grill Mount, the most versatile GoPro mount on the market. Sands Meal Bars, the best tasting snack for all adventures without all the excess stuff you don't need. Be sure to visit our website at www.darkstarts.ca and go to our partners page to learn more. Hello and welcome to episode 78 of Dark Starts, your backcountry splitboarding podcast. This week, we're talking with Manuela Mandel out of Austria about her experience in the backcountry, splitboarding and winter camping, and the Freeride World Tour. This one was way too early in the day for some trench brewing cans, so instead we're enjoying a hot cup of go-to superfoods organic cacao mix, which also contains ashwagandha, black maca, lion's mane mushroom, and spices. Throw a little coconut oil in there and blend. The perfect morning pick-me-up. Go to our partners page at darkstarts.ca to learn more. So grab your perfect little morning pick-me-up and listen in. Let's drop in with Manuela Mandel. Man, this has been a work in progress, and I'm so excited to finally be recording with you. Uh, last weekend was interesting. You were on a train. I was stoked for that because we were going to have some interesting content happening on the train. Boop, boop. That too, and then the conductor yeah. talking, but then you went into the mountains, and that was the end of it. <laughs> so here we are. You're back home, and um, yeah, you're getting ready for a great season. We're excited to have you on. Yeah, we're just having our first dumps here, and it's amazing. Nice. Still missing some base. I guess you in the U.S. are better off by now. But we're in Canada. Yeah, it's coming. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, hey. Hold sorry. On, hold on, hold on. Oh. We're in Canada. Ah, whatever. <laughs> we're the 51st state. Uh, pretty much. No, messing. I would say you guys in North America are better yeah. off this year, definitely, yeah. than we are. Some places but, are getting yeah. a lot of good snow. Some places are still starving for snow. Um, I know where we're about to go riding, hopefully next weekend here in Powder King. They've been getting dumped on. It's been pretty nice. That's a plane behind you? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so like I'm that. in Instagram. Trains, planes, right what's next? Right? Automobiles, <laughs> right? Like the movie. Um, nice, we nice. can do that too. <laughs> yeah, so I'm in Instagram right now, and there is an airport, and because it's in a valley in between the mountains, the airplane kind of has to go over where the people live, like over the city. Oh. And that was one of the things where. I was kind of glad about lockdown because there right. were no airplanes anymore. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I just yeah. noticed as well, like a few months ago, was like I look up in the sky and I'm like, oh, 
There's no massive jets going across, like, you know, the big jet stream and the big... Contrails? Yeah, and the chemtrails, they call it. There's less big planes in the air. I'm like, wow, it's peaceful, somewhat. Yeah. But it's... Uh, so, so Manuela, you're in Austria, and you guys are on lockdown again, right? Yeah, we're on lockdown, yeah. Yeah, because we somehow, we, us, I don't know, everybody else around, somehow we didn't make the numbers, like the percentage of people to be vaccinated, because there's some weird series going around about the vaccine, which is just not really making any sense, which is a bit sad because it's so unnecessary, I feel. Um, but yeah. And because, I mean, our economy is suffering quite a lot, especially in the place where I live, like people are really depending on tourism and, and everything's just shut down. I mean, only for like a couple of weeks, but who knows how it will develop. So, yeah. Well, that's interesting because it's, uh, it's the same dynamic that we have here in Canada and in the U.S. I mean, you have the people who, people who want to be vaccinated and people who don't want to be vaccinated and. And then that certainly is uh, the same dilemma that's infecting the economy everywhere as well. Yeah. It's a touchy yeah. subject. I don't even want to talk about it really. Um, no, because some people are so right-wing and left-wing about vaccines and no vaccines. We don't have to get into an argument about it. But yeah, oh, we can no. just definitely discuss it a little bit. I mean, it is, it is affecting things, you know, and oh. it does affect to a degree, like you were mentioning earlier, that uh, there's only one resort that you guys can go to right now, correct? Yeah, which is total luxury that we have lockdown and there is even still one ski lift or like one resort operating. Yeah. I mean, that's already a lot better than it was last year. And it's kind of controversial too, because I mean, we're in lockdown and then we still can go ski. But then, I mean, we're really keeping, keeping our distance up on the mountain and there is hardly any chance that you can catch something up there because everybody keeps their distance and you're not sharing gondolas with people you don't know and it's 2g so you can only go there if you're um if you're healed from corona or if you recently got like have your vaccination like in the past couple of months so that's still counting and yeah so that's how it is interesting how are they how are they managing i'm just kind of curious how it works over there because here we have um, in, in the province that we live in, everybody has to have a QR code, yeah. um, verifying that they have been fully vaccinated so that when they go to certain establishments like restaurants, for example, they have to show that QR code and it has to be scanned to show the validity, validity of the fact that you have been fully vaccinated. Are they doing something similar there in Austria? Yeah, precisely the same. Oh, okay. Like yeah, just, just at the curious. bottom of the mountain, there is a kind of like there's people standing and a gate and you can only pass through if you show your certificate and you also have to be wear FFP2 masks so that you can't really like infect anyone else in case. What's an FFP2 mask? That's that's the mask where you where it's hard to breath through. <laughs> breathe through. Oh, so they yeah, so they uh they, they want you to wear a specific mask, which I think is so Crazy. like in my personal opinion, you know, we're all outdoors, you know, and we're more than six feet apart. Yeah. So I don't get the whole mask thing on the outdoor part. Like last year here all the resorts wanted you to you had to be fully masked up, you know, and, and they didn't specify um, the kind of mask that you could use. So a lot of people were just using their buffs, right? Just put your buff up over your face and and you were good to go. 
which apparently helps too, because if you're sneezing, um, you're throwing your bacteria around a couple of meters, even against the wind. And if you have something in front of your mouth, then you can't do that, obviously. Right. So, so I guess it helps. And the FFP2 is also like, it's like nothing can come out and nothing can go in either. It's like really blocked. Like it's breath. like blocking everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Oh, good. crazy. I'm lucky. Crazy. So I, I, I'm, I, I just, I just really hope that, that I don't know that the society and the world learns something from that situation and, and that we have, a good normal life as we used to have it, which yeah. was a great life before the pandemic, which really maybe was. wasn't that present either. And I, you know, I feel, people. I feel for our kids, you know, like, um, <clears throat> you know, I have, I have four kids, um, you know, and this is, I was thinking about it cause my two youngest daughters are still in high school. And when they look mm. back on high school now, it's going to be the COVID years, you know, which is kind of sad because yeah. my one daughter, her entire high school experience so far has been all COVID and wearing a mask, mask. you know, and, and that's sad. I find that super sad, man. I just can't wait for life to get back to the normal. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of a Darwinism type of person, right? Uh, you know, uh, nature will find a way and, and we'll find a way to beat this and, and it'll happen. But uh, but anyways, enough COVID talk. Thank We're God. here to talk about snowboarding and splitboarding. Yeah. Chad's getting all sour push. Yeah, in about the, face the good here. sides of life. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's yeah, talk what's about fun. What's fun is getting out in the snow and getting very, you know, tomahawking and falling and trying stuff. That's fun. Yeah, man. I'm looking at your Instagram and I'm seeing Manuela Mandel's just killing it in the backcountry and uh, free wild free ride world tour and all that good stuff. What got you into snowboarding? How did you find snowboarding and the backcountry? Oh, I was I was super lucky because I'm out of Vienna, which is a two million inhabitant city and the capital of Austria. And my parents used to spend time with us on the mountain in school holidays. And I'm an all right skier, but then I was getting a bit bored and snowboarding was cooler. So I started snowboarding and luckily I ran into skiers basically who were already free riding at that time, like in somewhere to around 2005 or something. And they basically took me with them and taught me a lot about the mountain and stuff. And yeah, that's how it all started. So I, I'm like a bit of an unusual snowboarder in a sense, because I never was socialized in the park. I just was on the slopes and then straight in the back country. So, Hey, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. That's kind of my background as well. Whereas Chad's was the opposite. Like you were mentioning, uh, I, I grew up an Alpine skier and then, um, just always wanted to try snowboard and gave it a shot one day and became addicted. Um, but at that time I was, I didn't have any friends who snowboarded, you know, but I was an adult by then. <laughs> so I wasn't, I wasn't a, a, a rat in the park type of thing either. And and just kind of found it that way. But riding in the backcountry and, and free riding and touring in the backcountry, that, you know, in my feeling, that was much more of a European thing than it was a North American thing for much longer. Uh, no, Whistler, the 90s is all about Whistler and all about the backcountry and Mount Hood in the wintertime that I remember. I just it was a, it was a, living in Ontario was such a far away place. It just seemed so far. So we just from that from Ontario from living, you know, riding resorts and then going to the backcountry. So it never really 
I never had friends that did that. We just kind of were park rats. <laughs> it's just also very different, like North America compared to Europe, oh. like how ski resorts are organized yep. because we do not have any ropes. Yeah. There is no rope drop in European resorts. It's like, it's your own responsibility as soon as you go off the groomer. And if you're just two meters on the side of the groomer, you can be hit by an avalanche oh, or yeah. trigger an avalanche. Yeah. So people are so, and because it's all your own responsibility and because there is no ropes, it's much more accessible on one side, but on the other side, people are also much more aware about the risks because yeah, it's like you're off the groomer, <laughs> you are like in a wild space right now. And it's very, very different. Well, so that, off, off piste, well, as you say in Europe, right? What, yeah. And what does piste yeah. mean? Piste is the run. It's French. It's yeah. French. It's, oh, okay. Uh, piste. It's French. That's piste. Just like every every yeah. avalanche um, shoot, like shoots and couloirs. That's all French. The couloir. Right. Yeah, no, no, no. I get the, that. The, but piste, same piste thing. I didn't know. All right. Same thing. Perfect. Après ski is after ski because that's après. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Just like swearing in French is all about the church, which I'm not getting into it, but it's all <laughs> church stuff, which I don't get, but that's how it goes. <laughs> At least North American <laughs> French anyways. Uh, too funny. Everybody wants to know the swear words. That's how it always goes. Like I know Polish and all I know is the bad words. My dad. Bad influence. Yeah, I started in 88, so I've been heavily involved in snowboarding wow. for a long time. And then in the 90s, I worked for a manufacturer, Sport, who's one of our sponsors for waxes. Um, I worked for them for almost nine years. So I was involved when snowboarding was in its mecca. It was all like everybody was making big money and, you know, uh, the snowboard videos were like the shit. It was like, that was what we watched. We watched the tape over and over and over again, right? So, yeah, I've definitely come. I've watched this whole thing. I was out of snowboarding for a good 10 years as well, and then I got back into it. And then, yeah, it's just been lots of fun. I w really wish, looking back, you know, and I mean, I'm not really, like, solid in snowboard history, but looking back, I really wished I would have, like, experienced those times too. Oh, yeah. Because now it's something very different. I think snowboarding evolved into, it's not just another sport, but it's definitely a sport. And it's definitely like very popular still, but it's just, it seems to be one of many ways to kind of ex like, yeah, to show who you are. Yeah, self-expression. Yeah. yeah. And to express yourself, but I feel like at its heydays, it must have been so much crazier than it is now. Oh, yeah. The, the, the gear has yeah. gotten so much better because a lot of the ski and snowboarding yeah. manufacturers have meshed together to, to share information and skiing. And then snowboarding industries, snowboarding manufacturers have also shared a lot of technology where in the past it was like, oh, don't look at my board. You can't look at what I got. It's private, mm -hmm. special, and you know it's not for you to see. Uh, now there's more camaraderie and sharing, which is awesome. So boards are getting better and all the crazy shapes and you know it's almost like fashion like you know how i'm not sure if you're aware but you know fashion you know the 70s clothing all came back and all that stuff keeps coming around in cycles and snowboarding's the same way the old the old style snowboards are coming back with new technology and it's just a new face and 
I like it. That's why I own so many snowboards because I'm like, oh, that one looks good. Could I use that? Got to buy that. Oh, that looks good. I got to try that. So yeah a quiver is important yeah I have it's too many boards same as with surfing i also feel that a quiver or that's why i also love to test different snowboards and yeah. also love to test different brands or also old school shapes and yeah. like everything which comes around because yeah. it's also a training for your brain yeah. because as soon as you get used to like one snowboard and you're kind of getting one with your board yep. from a certain point on like you don't even feel it's there anymore it just feels so natural like walking but then to really get a learning curve in again it's super cool to just switch and change equipment yep. and do something to totally different yep. and yeah last year i've been trying out a race board the first time in my life like Ooh. from an actual like racing team in germany and like a full on like crazy hardboard setup. Like I didn't change any, anything. I just left the whole setup and all the stands and everything like it was. Yeah. And then I went flying off that thing. I oh, did yeah. a couple of turns and then I was like, sweet ass. Oh my gosh. The carving <laughs> is so nice. And boom, pushed it. And then I was like, uh -oh. like flying 10 meters through the air, like into nothing. And I was like, okay, that's a very, very, very stubborn horse. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very humbling oh. quickly. It's like, puts you in your place like you think you're in control but nope yeah, yeah. i have never put on hard boots as of yet to uh, ride and i've yet to try an alpine board i definitely want i've always looked at them with like ah, like those guys go fast yeah so, yeah i don't know i don't know we'll see it's 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 exhausting for the back though mm. because i feel like everything which is on the slope like every little punch just goes through you it's mm. like i was like that's like you really have to work very well with your core because otherwise this thing is just yeah it's just mandatory disc problems off the woods otherwise wow <laughs> and then you get bucked yeah. yeah and the horse kicks you off yeah crazy yeah um it's fun though <laughs> yeah well what you know we, we've darren and i have rode you know you ride for furberg uh, Darren and I both yeah. have ridden, uh, we've had, you know, Hampus on the show. We've had, we've had, we've rode their boards. It was definitely a learning curve. There's not, there's no doubt for me, it was definitely a learning curve because that long radius side cut made me feel like there was no side cut. And yeah. it's just, it was just weird. It was weird at first. It took a bit to figure it out. Like you said, your brain had to re recalibrate like, okay, this is where the contact points are. This is what's going to happen. This is where the board moves. It's not a bad thing. It's just, again, it's a different board. That's funny. It's a different mindset too, because I don't, I'm riding the board. I'm not thinking about the contact. I'm just riding and just oh no, feeling out the board. I am not mathematical at all about it in my head. It's oh, just, that's all I do. I worry about what's going on under my feet. <laughs> too much. <laughs> just let it flow. Yeah. No one I think it's very interesting to work with body mechanics too, like where your pivot is, like what your mm -hmm. arms and your shoulders do. And there's just that's what I learned from some of these like racing coaches. Yeah. Like not that I ever got a proper racing coaching, but um with some through my education as a kind of snowboard trainer, I'm like I'm just a tiny, like I'm not a very evolved state of snowboard trainer, but I'm a bit of a snowboard trainer. And yeah, there we had the, all these body mechanics. And that was when I 
was first actually thinking, okay, like what does the little mo little movement of my shoulder actually does to my writing? Mm -hmm. And it's, you can improve so much with oh, yeah. like little movement. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Seth Westcott, we did an episode with him and he was a, you know, world champion. Olympic, yeah. Olympic gold medal, gold. gold medal Olympian. Yeah, border cross, and twice. he gave he yeah. gives a little bit of tips and tricks on his episode about you know dropping your shoulder and you know what he does and he doesn't give all the tricks away, but he gives a little bit of what kind of exactly what you said that shoulder movement that gives you that mm. go, <laughs> the stability, yeah. the the all that stuff. So yeah, definitely. Any, if anybody's interested, definitely give that a listen to. It's definitely worth listening to. Um. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's been a crazy anticipation f since we've put this, since Hampus was on. Uh, his episode has been listened to extensively. There's been a lot of great listens. People have been DMing us and messaging. And, and then there was a contest. He gave a snowboard away. So we're going to get into that. Let's just get that out of the way. I think we should just give the board away and name who won it. So Darren, you had that uh, beautiful speech lined up, so let's have you do it. I put you on the shelf right now or uh, on spot. You definitely put me on the spot because <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I said. But, but out, yeah, so out of all the people that responded um, to the contest to win the Furberg board, we asked Manuela to pick a number. And Manuela, do you want to say what number you picked? Yeah. I picked number 77 because seven is my lucky number. And number that 77 is Chad. John Littlewood out of Holland, Holiday, Utah. Yeah, Yay! John. Yeah, All congrats. right. You get a Furberg board. You will get to, I will connect you weep, weep. with Hampus. Uh, he's in California, so that makes things easy. And you guys will connect and you will find a board that fits you, John, what you want to do with your split, where you're going to go, how you're going to ride. So he will... Almost customize it in a sense. Not the actual board, but the one I was going to say, whoa, get. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, the ones he gets. He's not just going to get it. Like <laughs> you, know, you just get to pick the board that you want. And you get to talk with Hampus about which board would be right for you, John. So exactly. uh, stoked, man. Uh, the Furberg boards, you know, like like Chad said, a little bit of a different side cut, a little bit of a different thought. But I know Chad had his uh, mathematical way of trying to figure out how to ride the board, man. I just got on it and rode and it didn't take too many turns to figure out how the thing worked. The one thing I will say that I really loved about the Furberg is the day we rode it was in uh, Kicking Horse Resort uh, in uh, in Golden, British Columbia. And it was not the best of weather days snow-wise. No, so the resort itself was pretty, uh, was pretty chundry and pretty hard. And um, man, I got to say, that's the one thing that I found that board really shined on is when we went from from, for lack of a better term, you guys, from when we went from off piste to <laughs> on piste, uh, that board really held up and rode like oh, a solid. It powered. And one of the big things about that is the side cut and the floorboard technology. And I know that's not what we're looking for in backcountry boards is, you know, how well they ride on piste on hard chundry stuff, but it happens, right? You get those conditions every once in a while. And that board really shone right there, I got to say. So 100%. 100%. Stoke, yeah, John. the floorboard technology, like first time I was trying it, I just came back from an injury, my first splitboard tour, and I was testing that new board, that new floorboard with the floorboard technology. Mm -hmm. And then I was just doing some turns and I was like, wow, I'm a good snowboarder. And right. why <laughs> does that board carve right now? And then I was like, ooh, yeah, torsional stiffness. Yeah really helping it oh, <laughs> and yeah. that's just 
a huge difference to other splits because it's just it directly translates all the force you put in to the edge you want it to have on <laughs> like there is no 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 loss of any force and that's so important no it actually and, like, and also we want to ride tricky stuff too it, it's it, not always it, great i feel snow. like it contains energy it holds the energy and it explodes yeah. it at the turn like you just like you feel like you're going like I don't know, four or five kilometers, if not 10 kilometers faster, just like, whoa, like everything just speeds right up. It was so good. I had a fun time. Yeah. yeah when that, when that edge grabs, it grabs. Yeah. And that mm -hmm. board moves. And yeah, I really felt uh, a, almost like a power band, mm -hmm. you know, when, when you hit that edge and on that hard compact, um, those hard compact rounds, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Love Agreed. it. Agreed. <laughs> And you've been, how, so when did you start, uh, what was kind of the first boards you got when you were kind of getting into the, uh, realizing that, hey, I can actually, I'm actually pretty good at this. And uh, maybe you started, did you do any competing? And what were some of the first things you did, like board-wise, like snowboards you had? Oh, uh, yeah, long story. Recently, like my very first board was a, a rental board from Oxygen. Oh, yeah, I remember <laughs> them. I remember that. Whoa. Yeah. Remember, yeah. Whoa. Those are the same guys that made rollerblades. And skis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did everything pretty much. Yeah. And then um, my first own board was a F2 board. I'm not really sure if that brand even does sports anymore. No, I don't think so. And well, I broke that because I was obviously going off piste without knowing what I was doing and hitting some rocks. And then I got a present from like just some friends, like a guy who didn't need his board anymore because they were moving abroad. And that was a 158 or 160 burden board. Mm. And I'm just 164. So that was a huge board. Mm -hmm. And I just had to deal with it because I didn't have any other board. Yeah. Um, which is kind of helpful for getting quite strong legs. It is. Um, it is. Then when you get a smaller board, you're like, ah, I own you now. <laughs> yeah. And then I had a Santa Cruz board, oh, yeah. somehow secondhand from somewhere. And got new I broke that. They've got too. new boards out this year, by the way, Santa Cruz. I just seen some in the shop. Oh, nice. S3, there's a shop here in Grand Prairie. And they've got some Santa Cruz. And they've got the Screaming Hand, which is one of my tattoos. I was like, these things look weird. Snowboards? Yeah, they got, Santa Cruz came back with a board. They're not as technical as they used to be. Like JP Mar JP Walker's got a, a, a pro model. He's an old school guy from the Whoa. 90s. Whoa. Badass guy. Anyways, so you had a Santa Cruz. You had the ones that were like um, like the clear top sheets. Is that the ones you had? Oh, I don't know. I just remember it had an orange bottom. Oh, Okay. I don't really know anymore. And then I broke that in a very like, yeah, like stupid thing. <laughs> and, and then um, I actually, a friend of mine, Michaela Holsten, who was also on the Freeride World Tour and we've been competing forever. She was by that time already sponsored from Nitro mm. Snowboards. And she gave me a Nitro Pantera. And... That's like a, that's a very aggressive board. It's like more from the border cross side, like super directional too. Okay. And so I was riding that for a while and then I got hooked up or I, yeah, I got my first sponsoring by Felclus snowboards. Who? 
like Völkel, it's like a German brand, okay. which is also basically more doing skis, but they also used to do snowboards. Okay. Um, and I was also riding the border cross boards of them. Oh. So I, I was always riding rather stiff boards and always directional. Yeah. And then I, over the years, I kind of worked my way to also kind of softer boards. I mean, the Fuhrbergs, there is, the all mountain is a bit softer, definitely for me anyways. And the freeride, it might be a bit stiffer, but it's definitely not as stiff as the boards we used to have like 12 years ago or something, you know. I feel that the boards in general maybe got softer. I'm not sure, but my boards did. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I mean, I'm a weird, I buy snowboards and I just like either stiff or not it really depends you you had me at weird you are weird yeah i guess well i know <laughs> of course i'm weird this is how it goes um yeah but it's it's yeah it's just i mean riding also changes i mean i'm not sure how you guys do it but my stance changes throughout the season like my i change my angles on how i feel i think it's because of where you're riding though you you would you would change your stance because of what you do well i'm curious that yeah. you said that do you do you have, um, let's say, do you have three different stances that you use throughout the season and you know what those are and, and they change that way? Or do you find that you as a rider, as your body grows and changes, that your stance is evolving? Or the strength of, the, of your riding throughout the year because your body does get stronger as you ride more. Yeah. It's more the second thing. It's like my stance keeps, like I start I know how to start the season and with, with which stands. And then I already know by now in which direction I'm going to be changing the angles, the stronger I get. And, and also it's very much depending on the training over summer. I feel that too. Can we, can like, we talk about your stance then what it is like, where is it at the beginning of the season, front foot and rear foot angle? And then how does it evolve for you? It's in the beginning of the season, I tend to be like plus like 25 or something on my front. So like very much directional and then more or less zero or something on the back. Zero minus three. And then I normally move a bit into duck stance because I really like it. But then my knee starts hurting and then I change again. And I feel that I'm always kind of changing both. I keep having the, the same difference of my feet in regarding the angle. But it's just moving backwards and forwards. It sounds super weird now no, because can't. it's also like, yeah, and then I also change like with the discs, I change where I stand on the board regarding to the center, like I in the tendency put my front foot a bit further to the back side mm -hmm. and my back foot a bit further to the front side oh. because then it's somehow much more dynamic turning. Which is <laughs> doing, I'm, I think I'm doing a lot of weird things with my. Well, it's, it's, it's everybody's different. Well, and you're playing, right? You're trying to figure out what works best and. Does it change from resort, like when you're going the freeway world tour and you're going from location to location in the snow and the, you know, the steepness of the pitch of the resort, like the the mountains, and does that make a difference for you? Because you know where you're going, alpine wise or 
what's happening? Is that kind of what happens or just because you're feeling different? No, it's, uh, it's I, I would, I, I wish I would be that structured, but it's really just because I feel different. And then I'm like on the mountain, like doing a couple of laps and I feel like, oh no, my bot, my, my foot actually would love to be a bit more turned down that way. And you feel it in your boot, right? When your foot, foot tries to like be yeah. different. Yeah. And then I'm just like, well, I just give in and then do it. And then sometimes it's heaps better and it feels a lot more dynamic than before and sometimes it's just uh, uh no 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 that was the total wrong thing to do um do you feel so what i do is i mark my bindings all mm. the time like with the pencil i put them like on the board and then i kind of know <laughs> where i'm at mm-hmm. do you find though that uh when you get in certain certain positions with your binding setup that you don't carve the same because the ass the the, the back end likes to like kind of slarve out, they call it. So you're not actually carving, but it slides out because you're not set, maybe centered or back more. Because are you riding more directional boards right now with Furberg? Or are they all um, more like twin? Because I know they got more of a twin shape to them, but the cores are set back a little bit. Yeah, um, they are a bit directional, Mm -hmm. but not as crazy as some of the boards were directional, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I used to ride. And I'm like... Well, that's a tough question. I feel like the, the thing which changes the most on how a board feels if, if you have a setback or not. Yeah. And that's definitely depending on the yeah, snow. I agree. But then some boards, it's like, and 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 like the width of your stance, like oh, if you yeah. change that, that's yeah. wow. Like that's sometimes huge. if you do something wrong there or if you're just testing boards and <laughs> you're yeah. just like putting the binding somewhere and you're like, whoa, okay, now I can't snowboard anymore. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. I stick to the same, same stance as well. I'm usually about what, 21, 20 and a half inches wide is what I usually ride. I know it doesn't translate to centimeters. You know, we do both in North in Canada, <laughs> centimeters and inches. Yeah. But I, that for me stays the same. I, I find for my riding, it, it depends the day where we're going, whether my front foot is, at 28 or 30 or at 20. Um, I usually, I usually ride European. I usually ride Euro both feet forward. I've been doing that for 25 years. I just can't change. I love it. It's faster. Both knees go forward, pin it. Yeah. I mean, I also have to add that I ride different stances on different boards too. Right. <laughs> it's like like the Fuhrberg um, free ride. I ride with different angles, like more like directional or like never really duck stance. Whereas the all mountain, if I feel like it and I just want to like play around a bit more and have more like easy going fun, then I definitely ride it duck. Gotcha. It's like yeah. Well, that's- so it's really depending on the mood. But uh, that's that's the thing I'm gonna be doing the next couple of days. Basically, I'm really working on the deck technical details of all the angles again because i feel that there's room to improve Mm -hmm. because as you can hear i'm not very scientific about it and i feel i could be maybe you should get a journal since you're going on tour get a journal start writing down in the journal and uh, the date where you're located you know what which board you rode stance snow conditions maybe that'll help you yeah 
That will be interesting to see. It takes time. <laughs> it's a bit of time when you're not used to, but or you can just give yourself a voice message on your phone. Because voice messages are so efficient because you're always gonna re-listen them. Yeah, no, never, <laughs> never. And on right. podcasts, you know, we love to listen to podcasts over and over again because you can discover new things. Oh, absolutely. Ah, uh, like voice messages to oneself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to make it easier. Yeah, no, I do a lot of that as well. I listen to, I re-listen to a lot of podcasts, ones that really uh, resonate with me. I'll be like, I need to listen to that again. Because you always pick up something yeah. else in a couple of weeks or a couple of days later. Yeah, and it's fascinating. Like there's so many interesting humans out there with so many different perspectives on life, mm -hmm. like from sports and outdoors and everything. It's like sailing i like like i listen to some of like crazy sailing podcasts of people doing like one hand missions all around the world with under crazy circumstances and then i'm like well snowboarding is really rather easy compared right. to doing anything on the sea oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's darren's world i've never really been out on the ocean much i think i was like five years old or something i don't remember any of it <laughs> yeah i can relate there's a lot to uh <clears throat> when he excuse me <clears throat> got a frog in my throat <laughs> uh yeah there's a lot to manage on a sailboat when you're dealing with mother nature and managing that entire boat by yourself so i i get it split boarding and being in the backcountry is way simpler than that that's for sure yeah. man. although we still have mother nature that we're dealing with right and, and all our gear and all that good stuff but uh but yeah get it and i mean it's a long learning before like i did a lot of like avalanche education mountain safety education courses over the years and it's still like every year again i in the beginning of the season i repeat everything i do my beacon searches and my probing and i get used to all my gear even though i use it all year round it's like it's never and and also the senses you have to get used again to kind of look precisely how the snow is, how it feels, which temperature we have, like where the wind came from. And it's like, I mean, it's there, that knowledge, but every year again, I have to remind myself about it. And so it's a never, like you never stop learning about those things because it's so complex. Yeah. And, well, it needs yeah, to become, every year is different. it needs to become an unconscious competent. So at the point where I'm at right now is I'm conscious, 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 Conscious. Conscious. I got to get my spell check on the other side of the fence here. To, <laughs> yeah. Conscious of the fact that I don't know a whole lot about snow. I don't know a whole lot about what's really going on under the snow. I'm conscious of it. I know. So like you said, it's about repeating, uh, going through the courses again. You know, Stay Wild was uh, out of Golden's where we did our first, I did my first course and I'm, uh, you know, Brittany's been gracious enough to give me the platform to keep to watch it again, which I think I'm going to be doing here shortly, just to kind of in the next couple of weeks to, like you said, re up. You know, what should I be looking for? What's going on again? Refresh, and then we're definitely going to start doing some uh, playing with our beacons and probes out in the snow. I think that's super important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah, and then also learning about group dynamics again, because I oh, think that's yeah. one of the most important thing, especially going into like more split board mountaineering. Like you gotta know who the people you're on the mountain with are and how what are the strengths and and how is everybody like managing their own risk 
awareness or like how risky people are. You know, it's 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 something very specific to each person, and you got to know about your buddies because yeah, everybody's different there. One mm-hmm. one thing that I will mention that that seems to happen a lot talking about group dynamics is. Um, not every tour is always with the same people I find. Well, in my experience, and every tour has been a little bit different where there's been some people who are brand new together in the tour and the group. And the one thing that gets missed a lot is beacon checks, like just doing simple mm. little things like that. And it's almost like, I almost want to say, and maybe it's just coming from my point of view that most people are maybe a little bit nervous, not sure they're doing the right thing and, and not comfortable enough to admit that maybe they don't know it. So if nobody says, Hey, let's do a beacon check. Then they're all like, kid, good, let's go. And then, then there's that, that mindset where you're kind of focused in on just the one thing and that's the tour and you forget all the little side things you need to hit. Yeah. Yeah, and but yeah, but that's the thing about splitboarding, right? You can't be focused on just one thing. Like you have to be alert about everything surrounding you all the time. Yeah, I find on the because tour, otherwise it gets dangerous. It's like yeah. a constant. It's like a constant like checking. I feel okay. How do I feel? How? Are the others breathing? How does the snow sound? How is the wind going? Is there any sun? What's the temperature? Do we see anything? It's like, at least that's what I'm like. I'm walking and at the same time, I'm always going through all these checks over and over and over again, like a meditation. It's like, yeah. Which I is one of the parts about splitboarding that I really enjoy is the tour up and the the smelling and listening and oh, the tasting the and the feeling and and getting a good sense of where you're about to ride and and building that as you're going along you have the time to do that right and and uh and really get a good feeling for where you are and where you're going to ride yeah and proper planning obviously plays a role too like oh yeah you want to like you want to check i mean we are so lucky that even though sometimes all the information we can get is so overwhelming, but we are still so lucky how much information we can find online and how well all the forecasts and, and the daily avalanche bulletins are, it's like, man. And also we are like really kind of, you know, privileged in North America and Europe too. How many people are there looking after us basically? Yeah. Like giving us that that data so that we can work with it. You're right. There's something a lot very different in Kyrgyzstan or something. I've also been. It's like nobody knows anything. <laughs> <laughs> and you're on your own. Yeah, we're we're super yeah. fortunate in a lot of the developed world where we a lot of us ride in that fact that we've got all of these resources, you know, at hand to be able to to get and you're right, there's a ton of information out there, but uh taking a course and learning how to manage that information properly and use it to your benefit is huge. And and the fact that there are people in the background who are constantly putting that together um, is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's great that we have that. And I can imagine going to somewhere, like you said, Kyrgyzstan, Kurt, now I'm having Chadism over here. I can't say the word <laughs> Kyrgyzstan where you, you might not have, or you don't have that. That's a term, to Chadism. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blaming my father. So yeah, that's uh, that's cool. But there's a little bit of the adventure part of that too, right? Excuse me. 
there's a little bit of the adventure part of that too, right? Like not having that and having to figure that out, uh, you know, on your own weather wise and, and not having the, um, the avalanche, uh, um, the avalanche, uh, reports, reports and infrastructure behind in that area, just trying to figure it out, uh, through local knowledge maybe and, and weather reports and, Snowpack. And doing your tour up and feeling what the snow's like. Yeah, and doing like ECTs on your own, like some extended column tests and stuff. You, I mean, you can always do that, but still, as long as there is internet, we're quite well off because, I mean, we also got all the the apps now where you can, which just have like super precise surface scans of the earth. And so we kind of really know by looking at them what we probably gonna get ourselves into and um, even if we're somewhere where we've never been before like i'm using for example fat map for yeah just looking at things to like not go on a mountain without knowing what is on the other side but that's just a very recent recent thing that's not we don't have those like proper scans of the earth with a certain precision and the um auto photo like the pictures from yeah, from year overlay since such a long time. It's like a couple of years only. Right. And that's, I mean, it's also like I can get lost on the mountains worldwide online because then I'm looking at lines in Alaska like, oh, I want to go there. Dang it. <laughs> it's so far away. And, and obviously it never really like shows reality. It's just like, one point of view, but still gives you an idea. So, I mean, we're quite lucky with that. Absolutely. But then we also lose a bit of the mystic, like not knowing. I, yeah, <laughs> we can just find everything. Technology is amazing now. nowadays. Do you, when you go into the backcountry, Manuela? Do you, do you carry a device? Do you, do you carry a, um, you know, like an emergency beacon communicating device, something like that? Um, in Europe, generally, we do not really need that. Um, we got mobile network pretty much everywhere. And yeah. our mobile phones, like there is this number, um, this international emergency number, um, which you can call in Europe. And it will just uh, connect you when you call that, the Euro European emergency thing is like 112. And you call that and we'll connect you to the next available network. So it doesn't need to be your own mobile phone provider, but just anything. And yeah, there is places in the Alps where this is just not working. But normally if you go up onto a peak or onto some ridge, your mobile phone will have some kind of reception. Yeah, that's amazing. We don't we don't have that same advantage here. We have uh, we have super super sparse to no coverage in the backcountry a lot. Yeah, well, it's for larger landmass. Period. True. Yeah, we don't have the population density, so we don't have the networks that are as, no. that are as uh, densely connected as you have in Europe. So yeah, and the infrastructure in the Alps is crazy. I mean, it's like. The Alps are not really comparable to Canadian wilderness whatsoever. It's like the Alps are a domesticated cultural landscape <laughs> with a lot of people living in it and around. Absolutely. And it's just so different. Yeah. It's like we got 
logging roads more or less pretty much everywhere. Like we can, there's, like you will always find some road into somewhere where you can also get out again quite easily. So, yeah. Your logging roads, is it, do you need like, I know here it's getting bad with hunters and obviously people in the backcountry and people fishing going out uh, down logging roads without radios and they don't call uh, which kilometer they're at. So, you know, trucks that are coming, doing their daily job, don't know there's other people, other traffic on the road. Is that something that's in, uh, a thing where you guys are? Because I know here there's big posted signs and they want you to call and they want you to be on a certain channel uh, so that we, you know, there's no head-on collisions because that's, you know, truck drivers don't know. They're just, they're just bringing the lumber back and forth. And if you're in their path, they're going to pretty much mull you over. Is that a concern? Well, we are not allowed to drive on those roads okay. in Europe. Like you can walk on them oh. <laughs> with your split board. <laughs> oh. But you're not allowed to generally like take any of your vehicles. Like we also don't have any sledges for private use whatsoever. That's only ski resorts are allowed to use them. And you are not allowed to also take any kind of car or motorcycle or anything onto those roads. And we have huge discussions because apparently biking is also not allowed on those roads, mm. which is a bit ridiculous. So we are having quite big discussions about mountain biking right now. Yeah, I can't see the, I can't see. You could definitely squish over on a road with a bike. Like you can definitely move over. There's time to move over. Yeah, but all the other restrictions that she was referring to really refer to motorized vehicles in right. the backcountry, right? I mean, yeah. Whereas like where she's talking about cycling like that what kind of impact can that have that's negative right yeah i mean we're having Trails? like because the alps are so densely populated we're having areas which are designated for wildlife and you're not supposed to kind of bike through there or walk or be loud and also in winter there are designated areas where you're not allowed to split board or or ride through because oh, of that wow okay yeah so yeah. they're trying to protect so we have the other problem we're having like or other we have that problem that we have to protect spaces so that people do not go there so they don't disturb the wildlife and yeah it's a conservationism type of thing right where they're trying to conserve the species in that sense. And I get it because, again, because of the density population, uh, even for your backcountry spaces that you have there in Europe versus here. And we do have that to some degree as well here because there's uh, certain species like caribou, for example. There are certain areas where you're not allowed to go to because it's um, caribou migration areas and they don't want you to, mm -hmm. to disturb the caribou that way. So they'll block off certain roads so that people can't access those roads with vehicles, I mean, we don't have the same restrictions with regards to the backcountry and sleds, like you mentioned, or um, or other vehicles in the backcountry. For the most part, as long as you can get up the road and you've got the means, if the road is open, you can go there. There's there's no rules that say you can't go there uh, unless they gate it off and they say, nope, this is a caribou migration area. We don't want you disturbing the caribou and their migration paths and, and uh, you're not allowed to go. Interesting. Uh, but there's also like, I mean, in Europe and in the Alps, there's so many ski resorts, like such a, it's such a high density of 
of lifts and, and, and gondolas and everything. So people basically don't need any motorized vehicle to get anywhere right. because right. there's just so many more lifts and resorts. Well, it's like I talked about when we <clears throat> had our prelim talk last weekend and I was watching McMorris and a bunch of the Burton boys go riding in, I don't know where it was again in Europe, Switzerland or something. And they gondola it up to one spot. It was a small gondola. Then they got into a bigger gondola and then they got into a train that went through the mountain to another, to, mm. to, to another lift up on the glacier somewhere. I was like, what the hell, man? Like, that's just, you know, North America is lucky to get a gondola up the mountain. Like, you know, Whistler has the peak to peak and it's like, whoa, you know what I mean? <laughs> like here, here we are, like, and you guys have, you know, in the Europe, Europe's definitely advanced and they've made it a lot easier and accessible to go from resort to resort, country to country, just through gondolas. Like that's what I'm looking forward to doing. Uh, once we, we can travel and get the heck out of uh, North America. Yeah, and it's also very good value. I mean, yeah. like the ski passes compared to North America are so much cheaper still. Which, I mean, it's obviously kind of subsidized by the state. Okay. Somehow. Um, but it's tourism, but still, so they're, they're, they're going to do that because they yeah. want people to come in. They want you to buy food. They want you to buy hotels. They want you to drink. Right. So they're going to, the government's going to (laughs) help because they make taxes on everybody coming into the country. So it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Not here. Here it's like your, the resorts are at their own, you know, that's why resort tickets in in North America are, you know, Whistler's almost $200 a day. And I'm like, I can't justify that. That's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't do it. It doesn't make sense to me to go ride Whistler for 200 bucks when I can go in the back country. I'd rather pay that to a guide, somebody, you know, their actual living, right? A guide would be fun. A couple yeah. people pay, you know, a couple hundred bucks and take you out for the day and have a great time. Find fresh snow, not tracked out snow, right? So that's where my mind's at these days with the whole lift tickets and just rather go ride and skin Yeah, and just walk up and have a good time, like walking yeah. and yeah. looking at things. Yeah. yeah. Not a crazy. Yeah, because before the talk, before we kind of started recording, right, we talked a bit about meditation and yep. preparation for yep. mountains and stuff. Yep. And I think splitboarding is a kind of meditation for sure. Like it's. It's not there for me yet. I'm still. It's a struggle for me to get up the mountain, but that's okay. Darren's laughing because it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm still just, learning. Because you're you're not allowing it. I think to be the meditative part. Yeah, you're 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 getting over the hurdles and the stumbles. That's. And that's normal, but um, but boy, man, I hope it's not stressful for you at all. Because yeah, I no, find, I enjoy it. I enjoy I find, that. Well, there you go. So that's that's kind of that's what I I love the silence and listening to the silence and listening to the the little skitters of animals and stuff while you're touring up and taking those little breaks to to just kind of soak it all in and and allow it to affect you, right? Because it, uh, man, I bet if you, I bet if you did. Uh, you know, monitor your heart rate while you're doing that tour. You'll, you'll see like huge spikes, but then you'll see other times where you stop and it just drops really quick and easy because you're in a, a trance, like almost enjoying. And so like, like we mentioned the Instagram um, post that Manuela has where she talks about having a forest bath, you know, and, and mm. allowing that to affect you in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a super important part of like Maybe it's also like not going up or split board up too fast yes. if one is not super fit. Yeah. 
then rather go slow and easy. And for in like, I did one project with um, Melissa Brandner. She's a actually an English lady living in Norway up in Tromsø now. So above the polar circle. Oh and we did a split boarding movie, which is called Through Darkness in Tromsø, like a couple of years ago. And we're going to put it online this autumn. Um, at least that's the plan. And, and you know what they do there? Because it's polar night. So you got maybe two hours of sunlight a day or not sunlight, like light yeah. a day yeah. somehow. So you really want to be careful to not sweat on your way up because mm-hmm. you won't get dry anymore. Right. And it's super cold. It's like minus 20 degrees. Oof. So from there is like my main learning Hampus was with there with us there too. Well, My yeah, main learning got- was was to just like take your time and walk so that you could walk forever, and then it's like can be very easy suddenly. Hmm. Yeah, just keep it simple, and your body's in that mode, and yeah. You gotta, you gotta pace yourself. If it, if we're going at a frantic pace up, then then I'm out. I'm not really yeah, enjoying. Some people it. are all about that, and I'm just not. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun though. Eh? If you like go a smaller tour, like I don't know, seven hundred or thousand meters, and you know, and then you can just run up because, and if you know that you can run up, come down, be straight in either a hot or your, a warm car or something, then you can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you have that. Actual, yeah. like, backcountry missions with, like, camping and everything or winter rooms in, 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 like, in the Alps, we got a lot of huts which are having, providing space for people to sleep there yeah. um, in winter. Then, then you just don't want to overdo it too much because, well, you won't get out of the cold. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, it's it's a different mindset than so, or if you're camping the huts i love the whole huts idea i haven't and, done one yet That's being nice. able to do that um are you guys allowed to do that right now um no not during lockdown yeah was it was also that, yeah. forbidden last season more or less all the time well actually right. all the time i think and it's super sad. And I mean, that's because of that, like extensive networks of Alpine clubs throughout the Alps. They just build huts for, yeah, basically to, to give shelter to people. Yeah. And because people are only walking like or hiking and there's like for some of the tours, you just need two days. You can't really do it in one day. So you need a place to stay. And that's how all these huts emerged. Yeah, which is a I love the whole idea and the community part of it, and you know, and uh, you know, your your group and another group, maybe smaller groups, you know, together in a hut. I, to me, I enjoy that whole have idea, you, the social aspect of it, and the the mixing of minds that way. Have you seen the movie Shelter yet on YouTube? Um, from Macha, yeah, Macha. Yeah, yeah. I I know him quite well, and he just um, gave recently because he's a climate at like he's a scientist basically working f- a meteorologist working for the swiss meteorology yeah. agency i don't know if i say that right but he just recently gave us a talk with protect our winters for all the athletes as a training about climate change and that's like yeah i mean he's a very amazing snowboarder just oh, yeah. so good but, but also he really knows 
a lot about climate and climate change and all the scientific stuff around it too. And so, yeah, and in shelter, I mean, they are accessing all oh these huts with public transport. It's it's crazy. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. And they go to that, um, that, that uh, monastery where there's like a church in the middle of like mm-hmm. nowhere. Uh, and they stay there for the night as well. And then they go into a hut and they turn on the heat and they make big bowls of pasta and... Uh, yeah, it's such a good movie. I really enjoyed it. And then they, they got pretty sick and they did some sleeping out in snow and building using their um, there's polk sleds as a roof, building an ice house. And yeah, just I don't know if I'm down for that, but <laughs> that's pretty. As long crazy. as I can be warm. Do you, Manuel? Have you done much uh, like winter camping, splitboarding tours? Yeah, quite some, but I wanted to add to the shelter thing because we also did now it's like a bit of like, I want to mention it because it was our last year's project and it's called Innsbruck Powder People. Mm -hmm. And we were also accessing a lot of things with public transport, like a lot of mountains, a lot of runs just out of Innsbruck um, where I'm living now. And it's, it's like, it's a bit different because it's like not that much in the back. I mean, it's a lot of touring involved too, obviously for, to get up to all the lines, but we do not put it that much in the foreground, but more that vibe of an Alpine city and the interaction with like the, the surrounding mountains and nature and how quickly and easy that can be. And the crew, like the international people who are just attracted yeah. to snow and living here. So What's well, a yeah. unique it's, and now, it's, it's so unique there because everything is right there. Yeah. And now I forgot what you were actually asking me because I got distracted explaining <laughs> what I did last year. Sorry for that. Well, was, Darren was just asking if you've been on in many um winter you know, camping winter to camping splitboard tour. tours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like I do that like not like what what's many? That's a good question. Well, okay, so more than more than three? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, more than three. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Is it something that you do uh, each season? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's like, especially. I mean, I prefer the winter rooms in autumn and high winter because it's just warmer and nicer. But uh, out in spring, it's camping is one of the best things, like camping above tree line in some remote, remoter bowl, like remote for Euro, not for Canadian (laughs) (laughs) terms. Um, It's just one of the best things you can do. Like, yeah. And it's also not, it's not, I mean, yeah, you need, you need to i would everybody trying to get into like backcountry camping and stuff i would like do some test runs yeah. like in your garden like to some 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 like very simple things and then walk like do a little split board tour or a big one with carrying all the gear you would need for camping to see how it feels how how far you can actually go with it because it's a lot more weight and it's a lot bulkier too if you carry tents and everything yeah and just being able to manage temperatures too and being comfortable right sleeping through the night comfortably getting the the right amount of rest that you need so that you can manage waking up in the cold (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and dealing with, yeah, I agree with you practicing with your kit to make sure that, uh, you've got it packed right. And you've got the right kit to stay comfortable. Yeah. I understood. Totally. 
yeah and then there's also these like little tricks helping you to kind of like yeah get up in the morning and stay warm like there's I work a bit like I normally don't really like to use this one time use heat pads, but I found that I really have this problem of super cold feet. And regardless how warm the sleeping bag is, I use, I still have cold feet. And for, so I just take this like one time use little pads, the heat pads and put them where before I go to sleep onto my soles, foot soles. And and suddenly I have the best night's rest ever yeah. when I'm camping in winter. And, you know, these are little things. And then like, okay, which kind of terms do you use? Like there is really good thermoses on the market, really keeping your hot water or your tea hot till to the morning, which helps a lot if you get up when it's super cold and you just have like a little hot tea ready, you know, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those yeah. are great little tips yeah, that I mean that, that we all sure. need to know. Like I know, uh, you know, I've done my fair share of sleeping in sleeping bags and, um, but not in the winter, you know, I, I've never really mm. done any serious winter camping and, and it's something that's always on my mind and I'm always like, I gotta have the right gear. And then I start looking for the right gear and I go online and I start searching around and what is the right gear? Cause you know, you want small, compact, lightweight, um, but you also want it to be efficient and keep you warm. And I know sleeping in a sleeping bag throughout the night, if it's cold and your feet are cold, that really makes your sleep miserable. You know, yeah. I can, the rest of me can be a little bit chilly, but if my feet are cold, that just, that keeps me up. And that's a, uh, that's a big thing. And I know in the past I've battled that with maybe putting hot water in an Nalgene bottle and then putting that Nalgene bottle in the foot of my sleeping bag, maybe an hour before I go to sleep to warm up the foot box on my sleeping bag. Um, you know, and then maybe even keep that in there while I'm sleeping, but then I don't want my feet to sweat and get, you know, so he, you kind of battle through all that and what's the right thing to do. Yeah. There's so many, like the other, like very important thing is to just like bring the right beanies. There's basically the right Merino kit. Yeah. That's like important for winter camping. Like you really got to have like something which keeps you warm, even, even if it's wet which is merino and you need to have like multiple layers to cover up your head while sleeping and yeah all these things yeah i experienced Alan, i'm really looking forward to that right now <laughs> uh, <laughs> i got to experience merino in its full effect i was working uh doing a job outside and we got kind of really warm and i got soaked like first thing in the morning by 9 a.m welding my whole side was wet and mm. the day I was hoping to get back to camp where I was staying and change, but the day got hectic and I just ended up staying out there. And by, by like literally three hours later, my body was wet, dry, my cl outside clothing were wet, but the merino wool was dry. And I was like, I've never experienced mm. that because I'm always wearing Gore-Tex. So I don't really feel that, but now mm. I'm like, wow, this, like, I've never experienced, like, you know, in my old age now, I've never experienced that until this recently. And I'm even more sold on the merino wool than I ever was. So that's uh, definitely, I could see the benefit of that when you're camping, having the ability to change socks and getting into a drier pair, warm pair. It is the primo product nowadays, that's for sure. Whereas like early on in my backcountry experience, polypropylene was a thing, but um, didn't really have exactly the same properties. Whereas merino wool is great, but not everybody can tolerate it. No, the itch, I can handle mm, it. The blends true. are nice now, I find. So I'm going to 
we're going to do a little something here. We're going to take a little break from chatting about this. We're going to give, um, since I can't send you any waxes or any uh, treats to say, I need to give this stuff away to a listener. So I've got some Koo Sport Wax. I got oh, from our sponsors? Yeah. Koo Sport Wax is one of our show sponsors. Uh, anybody wants to get some waxes, especially the U.S. Like you guys need to take advantage of the fact that the American dollar is higher than the U.S., the Canadian dollar. So you guys get a bigger discount buying from Canada. I just want to put that out there. Some people don't realize that. It's not, if you go to the website, you're going to see a price. You're going to, oh my God, but really you get a better discount. You get about 35 to 40% off that. So anybody looking for wax, definitely give that a shot. But we're going to give us a, a pack of three pack of wax, temperature wax away to a listener. Um, now, we're needing a little question for them to answer. They're going to answer it on the DMs on our um, Instagram page at darkstarts.podcast. So I don't know. What's... uh. A good question for the wax giveaway. What do you, uh, I don't know. I'm not, see, I'm not prepared for this. I should have had this prepared ahead of time, but that's okay. Don't worry about it, Karen, Darren. It's all good. Um, I don't know. Let's just say where, where's, uh, here, here we go. I got one. Where is Manuela from or currently living? Tell me where she's currently living. You'll get some free wax. Um, we are going to give you, however, a grill mount. Now, just so we're clear on that, Chad, when you say where is she currently living, are we talking country or city? How far deep down do you want oh, them man. to go? So how about this, folks? City. Manuela mentioned uh, the city that she's in because of the airport, and we were talking about the plane. If you can name that city. There you go. Mm. And because of the movie, <laughs> which right. is going to go online, which also has the city in its title. Exactly. There you go. So Boom. She's wrapped it all up. <clears throat> We're going to give you a grill mount from Pro Standard, a versatile grill, grill mount with heat multiple tabs. So you're because your head is the best gimbal, you would put these uh, tabs in your mouth, hold on to your GoPro. You know, you don't have to use it all the time, but if there's some, you know, nice open bowl you don't have to be stressed out about, you can mm. put that on and get some nice footage. Uh, we're going to send That's you one good. of those. Thanks. So I guess the question comes down to, would you put like a black one or a white one? Now remember, there are orange tabs, heat moldable tabs. Uh, I don't know there's a battle of white versus black for me anyways, because I have a white one. But uh, which one, which color would you like? I think I would like to have a white one too, because I imagine that must be much easier to find in my backpack. Yeah, she's, she's functional. I like that. <laughs> I'm trying to be, but I always end up, <laughs> I mean, we all try to be functional, but then it's still kind of important how a board looks and what top sheet it has. Oh yeah. What, uh, what size of backpack do you rock normally ride in the backcountry when you're touring? I guess it depends on the tour, right? Yeah, very much depends. Like I ob obviously always try with, to go with the very smallest things where I can fit everything in. And that's like maybe 25 liters. Yeah, that's what I'm finding like, also. Yeah. Hey, Manuela, when it comes to your backpack, do you, uh, how tall are you? Um, I'm 164 centimeters. Okay. So Chad's doing the math in his head. He's trying to imagine 164. So not very, very tall, <laughs> right? So when it comes in. No, rather small. <laughs> yeah. And when you, because you're a woman, smaller torso. So do you ride a women's specific backpack? Yeah. Um, with my sponsor, ABS, they do avalanche backpacks, like airbag backpacks. We got different sizes. Um, and the small size just fits me. Um, 
and then sometimes i mean it's important that companies in general see like how they how they form the backpack so that it just fits women too or it, or, or there are women specific models but i tend to um think that <laughs> that, that, that that the different lengths of the backpacks um and how the Oh, I'm really missing vocabulary there. Ooh, I can explain it in German quite well. But, um, <laughs> but okay. in English, that's super hard for me. Um, anyways, how all the details are formed and especially how wide, um, how wide is the shoulder straps? Ha, that was the word. How wide the shoulder straps are and how they are formed. That's, I mean, there is differences in anatomic ones between men and women. And you just need to, as a company, I feel you just need to have, find work on the perfect fit for pretty much everyone and uh, for each size. That's hard, I know, but there is good solutions out there. So, yeah. So for your, your shorter tour days, you'll use a 25 liter pack. Yeah. And for winter camping, I then normally I'm like with like 45 liters or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. And I, I mean, I also like to attach things, some things outside too, like on the, on the bottom of the backpack, especially when it's about setting up camp and from there, like if it's an easy access to a camp, and only from there you go for actual mountaineering lines, then it's not so hard to just have some stuff outside too. Mm. Yeah. No. Do you, do you ever go after aspects that require you to carry an ice axe and, and yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so natural. It's so normal you're out there versus yeah. here. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm like doing that all the time, but I mean, right. I also repel into Colois or something because it's fun. I, I think like, that's one of the, like, if the snow is not good, the best way to actually be motivated and spice up a splitboard tour is find something where you have to scramble up and then repel down. Mm. <laughs> it's like, it's always entertaining. Like, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I would love that. I would like, definitely have a blast doing that. But then that that includes so much gear and technique yeah. that I'm not familiar with. So I would need that learning curve of, you know, learning to manage wearing a harness and uh, need to go with Joey Vosberg. Yeah, he's the man for that. Maybe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also I'm also in summer climbing a bit, like not on a very great level, but I love it and I do it for so so you kind of get used to rope work. Yeah. Although it's so different in winter with like gloves and everything. And yeah, I'm really not as good in mountaineering as I wish I would. Like yeah, it's a, it's I want like everything really you gotta do more of it. You'll get there. Just keep practicing your train bouldering techniques and you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the snacks yeah, and, you enjoy having with you in your pack or in your front pockets when you go on tours? Is that are you do you like to have things to, to snack on or you just like eat in the morning or everybody's different. So what's kind of your rich routine? I constantly snack, but I'm like, or oh, not snack. I'm like, I'm doing my own power bars normally, like out of nuts and, and dried fruit. And there's even a recipe online. I wrote that down for the free ride world tour. So I guess if you, 
because I'm a sustainability ambassador for the Freeride World Tour and I gave them my recipe for the power bar. So I guess if you Google that, you'll find it. Um, so I normally take those, which is nuts and and dried fruit and some some spices too. Mm-hmm. And then then I'm I'm a classic sandwich person. I like to prepare my sandwich back at home and take that up the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then I also yeah. And then with the power bars and most important like a thermos with tea. <laughs> like herb tea or fruit tea I, that's the that's my normal menu up on the mountain nice nice and then for camping i have special camping oh like, i'm sure like track and eat and stuff yeah nice yeah well you got to make it compact and lightweight but yet very sustainable when you get up there to eat so otherwise you don't bonk and have lots of energy and my little weird thing i i like to take up the mountain is an apple oh <laughs> Oh, (laughs) why do you say that's weird? And why do you always like an apple? Because um, if you look at calories versus weight and packing size, an apple is definitely not efficient. Mm. But I just really like the the freshness. And so it's depending on a temperature. Like if you go touring with minus 20, then I don't take an apple because it would just freeze. Oh, yes. So that's not working. But, sure. but but if it's like not that cold and not that long, I normally take an apple with me. Nice. That's my little summit treat. That is nice. Actually. Apple and tea. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I found your recipe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That cool. was pretty quick and easy to find, actually. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. What, what is... It's super uh, easy to make as well. Yeah. What, what's like, orange eat? Um, that's uh, some special... We have that in Europe a lot to put into our gingerbread. Um, that's basically dried bits and pieces of some specific breed of orange, a bitter orange. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just dried fruit with sugar inside too, but okay. it's super nice for taste. And zitronat, yeah. what is that? What is zitronat? Uh, same, like just with lemons. Oh, okay. All right. Special kind of lemon too. So yeah, yeah, it's lemon. Yeah, but it's dried oh, okay. and sugary too. Sweet. Yeah, sorry, that's it might be hard to get. That's okay. No, no, it's, no. Can substitute it with maybe something different, but uh, but it's interesting to see. I love it. So yeah, orange chest and zest and lemon zest goes into the bars too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the citrus is nice. Nice. Yeah, nice. I just. It's also very kind of, I I just like it to make my own food. Like I love cooking too. And I think nutrition in general is such an important part of any kind of sport. Oh yeah. The fuel you put in. You can never learn enough about that. No, the fuel to your body definitely is, uh, whether you have a good day or a bad day. I know I have, I have bad days, fuel my guts. I just have issues with that, but you got to know what to get and what not to get and eat what you got to eat what, eat what your body likes. You got to figure that out as well. We, um, we're actually going to give a box of Sands Meal Bars away to listeners. They're uh, a show sponsor. Anybody who wants to get a Sands Meal Bar right now, we give away 10 free every single episode. You just go to the partners page on our website, enter your information in, and Sands will send you a bar. Uh, you also get 20% off any bars you buy and all the, you know, there is a 
kickback to the show, so it helps support the show as well. And we're going to give a box away right now to a listener. Uh, you know, Corey over at Sands has been gracious in helping us with the show, helping support us and giving everybody the ability to taste and trust, try these out. They're actually at Baldface this year and uh, Valhalla, so they're a sponsor of that location, which is awesome for them. So probably another question. I think uh, best kind of, Sherdy said it, what's the best, if the snow condition is not the greatest, Where what's the best thing to do to go riding? Or what's what that she likes to go riding? I don't know, how am I saying that wrong? Damn, I don't see the question. Or the answer. Damn it, I can't get it. I, ha- I thought I was good, but I don't have it. I don't have it. So maybe going with, uh, uh, how do I even say it without giving away the answer? Hmm. <laughs> on, 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 well, on, Let's make it simpler, Chad. Okay, let's just do it. have people DM with Manuela's name with regards to this episode, and then we'll just pick a winner from there. What's her last name? There you go. Darren makes me <laughs> things simple. I make things complicated. Yeah, man. <laughs> let's, just like, <laughs> let's just give a box away. Uh, it's done. I wrote down the question. Cool. I've got it. We got her down. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about what got you involved in the Freeride World Tour? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like, I mean, wow. When you're, when you're young and you love snowboarding, and you're not really on a big budget, then you got to find, like I, for me, it was a bit like I have to find ways to finance the stuff I love, which is snowboarding. And so um, I was like riding with a crew of local skiers and they were like, hey, why wouldn't you like come to a competition and just join and see how it goes, like to a free ride competition. And yeah, uh, the first one I crashed, the second one I won, and I won six hundred dollars. <laughs> nice. And then I was like, "Sweet ass, six hundred dollars! Wow!" <laughs> you found the recipe. Um, maybe if I can kind of like do some of those and kind of like finance my snowboarding, that would be amazing because then I can do my studies and snowboard and and kind of got it all together and yeah. And so I, so, and then it was a great crew as well. And just so much fun to be had. And then I started doing the Freeride world qualifier tour, mm-hmm. um, which is yeah all happening all over the world with the kind of same, like we have different, like the competitions have different values regarding points, depending on the amount of stars they have in and you work your way up the ranks. Yep. And then at four star competitions, because they're also in North America with IFSA, um, is organizing them as also Freeride World Qualifiers. You're, um, yeah, like one snowboard lady each year, like the best ranked one, or like your three best results count. Now there is a different format, so it will be different from this year onwards. Um, you're qualifying for the Freeride World Tour. And I missed that cut, the qualification for the tour, I think two or three times by like one or two spots. It was very frustrating, actually. I competed on the qualifiers for like a long time, like seven, eight years, I think. Wow. <laughs> I still was always kind of able to finance my snowboarding because then I got it some or finance like to equal the costs of my snowboarding out. Right. 
know what I mean? Yeah. Like I wouldn't earn any money or anything, but with like the prize money and some sponsor deals and like kind of getting the gear and getting good deals and, you know, I would, I would kind of make it work right. <laughs> somehow. That's awesome. And, and, and then, um, yeah. And then, and then 2017 or like 2016, I qualified for the tour and was allowed to start in 2017. And then on the Freeride world tour, we have to like, to get your starting spot for the next year, you kind of have to be in the first half of the field. Um, to be able also to start at the finals of that year, which is Verbier this year, it will be um, our finals going to be Fieberpon and Verbier. So the cut will be before. Mm. And anyways, back in 2017, I didn't make the cut. Like I was competing and I wasn't good enough. Like I messed up some of my runs for very stupid reasons. And then I had to go back on the qualifiers and had to win pretty much like had to win everything to re-qualify for the next year, which was 2018. And then that was tough, but I also had a lot of self-confidence. And then in 2018, I basically won the Free at World Tour title, which is kind of my my biggest achievement as as a competition snowboarder up to now because awesome. I didn't repeat that yeah. <laughs> up to now. So yeah, and since then I can I can kind of make a living of snowboarding, like not big scale or anything, but I can finance my life and I do some other jobs as well, but not regularly, and that's really nice. So, so lucky with that. Like, yeah. yeah but I think the most important, like, is just to, because I mean, I keep learning all the time. It's like, I, I don't, I do not feel like an expert in anything whatsoever. And sometimes it really bothers me, but I actually also appreciate it right now because that, like that constant learning and then like getting yourself into situations where you basically don't really know what to do, but you have the self-confidence that you're going to figure it out. That's something a lot more people should have. I mean, obviously in kind of boundaries where you don't really risk your life or anything, but still like keep trying things. Yeah. And especially ladies out there, I'm like always, I feel like, yeah, there, there could be so many more like great female snowboarders and there's so many more out there, but they, you hardly like, you don't see them competing that much or anything, but it would be so important to have more role models. Yeah, that's 100% correct. There's definitely been- And to put that life. forward, that try and yeah. like- <laughs> The ones, yeah. you know what, it's it's incredible. The ones that are pushing and are moving forward and aren't afraid and are do have the self-confidence, they do well and and they they shine and it's great to see. And I actually really like watching the females on the Free World Tour because they're pushing. They're pushing the female sport. They're pushing themselves and uh, it's great to watch. It's great. Yeah, we're really trying. And I mean, I know as a female snowboarder, I, I'm absolutely aware that we could like there's big things to achieve still like there's like so much space to improve mm -hmm. um but it's yeah i mean we're we're working on it i, I hope 
us and also the next generations will make that happen. And I also hope that, you know, it needs also more females in a sport to kind of give the economic base for yeah. ladies to be able to be professionals. Yeah. Like it's like of, if the market is... Go ahead. If the market is dominated, like the market still is, or sports market in general is like a male market yeah. or is perceived as a male market, which makes it very, very hard for female athlete, athletes to somehow earn the bucks to be able to be actual professionals in their sports because it's different of being an influencer than being a professional athlete. It's like uh, I train every day. It's like, I, yeah. Absolutely. So, well, that's the thing nowadays. There's a lot of people who just become influencers when there's no, they don't really have a very perceived value um, besides people want to see what they do every day. But yet professional athletes it's, it's it's a lot it takes a lot of toll like even you know i was watching my son play hockey yesterday and you know these 16 year old 15 year old boys are they're getting treated like professionals they like they train every single morning at 7 a.m then go to school and then after school they go to the gym and they pump weights and they you know get on the treadmill mm -hmm. and run around and do dry land training it's like when i was that age and i was playing that level of hockey that wasn't going on <laughs> so things are changing uh, because everything everything is speeding up. Everything is different. And there's more education now. There's more availability to knowledge, information, and people sharing, and you know, and knowing how to be stronger. And it's just like watching you do that parkour in your tra in the train like that. That to mm -hmm. me is incredible. You just monkeying around literally. In the train on your Instagram page. Dude, <laughs> on that's public bouldering. transport. Bouldering? Yeah, that's oh. called bouldering. Oh, yeah. See, I don't yeah. even know the difference. It's something I learned today. They're bouldering. Like I say, you're not jumping yeah. around. You're just hanging around. Hanging out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's... I think as an athlete, like, you want to be fit in every single way. But in general, I feel like sports and professional sports should also cater society as a whole like it should be well that's how far you can get and that's the crazy things you can do but it's also fun to have some mellow runs and and like enjoy some like low angle power that's oh yeah that, that's you know it has the same value and is a lot of fun so like it shouldn't be i i'm really a fan of of like telling people like hey like whatever movement you like whatever sports you like just do it and if you want to push push like get better and work on it and evolve but that's also not that doesn't need to be like not for everyone like not everyone needs to always like push their limits but everyone should move and have fun with the way of movement they're doing like and that's like until one is very old like as long as you can walk you should also do some some fun sports oh, your body which needs you it. enjoy yeah your body yeah and just sliding. I mean, that's just the, the amazing thing about snow is like, man, we're like sliding effortlessly. Yeah. Uh, just so, so much happiness there and such an easy thing. Yeah, and, thank, thank, yeah. thank the universe for uh, gravity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know one thing for sure. Well, there's a couple of things. I'm not going to say the other one about that's a guarantee in life, but we all know that when you drop something, it's going to go to the ground. And that's the same thing when you're in the yeah. mountains. We know we're going to the bottom, uh, which is fun. 
agreed. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, and it's so important because ah, there's, I mean, also seeing how lucky we are to be able to access mountains mm -hmm. and access the outdoors and nature and everything, because that's also like, there's a lot of huge cities by now where people, you know, you drive an hour to get out of town even. And having that quality, like we always need to remind ourselves and also like, I mean, There is, for example, I know in the U.S. there's she jumps, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to mention like, that, yeah. Yeah, to to kind of empower girls and ladies to go outdoors and try new things. And I mean, all of like there's so many clubs trying to do exactly that. And in Austria, we got um, Alpenverein, and yeah, I'm Exploristas, which is for females to yeah, it's basically an outdoor empowerment station for ladies <laughs> like empowerment club for ladies and that's mm -hmm. yeah and we really need to share the passion to yep. have a good quality of life all together well no, well since i've started since we started the podcast and we've been you know kind of uh, been on instagram and getting more followers and I'm, i'm noticing that there's more women's groups getting together like there's a colorado women's split boarding group there's a bunch of other women's groups as well that are getting together to split And it's not just like young girls, it's like all ages. Yeah. And that's awesome. Where I, I find men aren't doing that as much. Um, they're not making it more public. And that's a lot that has a lot to say with what's with um, some of the statistics about how safer women are in the backcountry versus men with their instincts, less ego. And but I think it's awesome that women are doing that because I, I would like to join just because there's a group of people going out snowboarding that's gonna go have fun and you know you're gonna have laughs it's gonna be a laughter time and you're gonna have a great time and no you know who's getting to the top first and racing it's just let's have a good time like we've been talking about this whole episode is just you yeah. know slow down a bit more and have a little more fun in the backcountry be more aware um i think that's major super important so i was talking with erica vikander and she said to ask you a question about your travels and how what kind of uh, uh Last season, there was a bit of issues going on with some of the travels you had. Uh, I forget the exact. <laughs> you guys ran into some stuff. She was saying you should probably ask Manuela about. <laughs> uh, we had her on the show. She was fantastic. She's an awesome athlete, and she was great to chat with as well. And you guys have a lot of same vibe together. Like I find you guys are a lot on the same level. Like you harmonize. You're a lot of the same, which is awesome because it seems that that's what the people in the freeway world tour are grounded. I find a lot more to the world or to the, to the earth and the environment. And I think it's a great, uh, it's a great group of people. Yeah. And talking about the freeway world tour, it's, I think it's exceptional that we are all competing athletes, but there's still such a great vibe in between each other. Mm -hmm. And what Erica mentioned is like, yeah, last year, because of the pandemic, we were basically all, shut down in Europe. So all the free ride world tour stops took place in Europe too. And yeah, we traveled everywhere by public transport, which is quite like what it was pretty intense because with Erica, I traveled just from Austria to Switzerland, which mm -hmm. is to Verbier to the final, which is basically not that far, but I mean, public transport is not really like the changing times between certain trains are not really set up for people with board bags. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we kind of like missed one train and then had to get a bit of a pickup 
And but luckily there is always like super nice humans around helping you with like issues. So yeah, yeah. But it was heaps of fun. And I mean, also going by night train with the French night train to Andorra and with all the board bags, like what we did before was also an adventure by itself. And I'm, I think, and I mean, what Erica said, I mean, I listened to the episode with Erica and I mean, she was going to the hill with a bus too, when she grew up. Right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think that should be, because, I mean, if we talk about ski holidays and skiing, it's like um, the number I have from Protect Our Winters is that 70% of your emissions when doing a ski holiday actually stems from how you get to a ski resort, which is like in Europe, it's by car. I think in the US, people might also fly. So you could easily like lower your footprint if public transport is a possibility which I know it's not really possible everywhere, but it should be for God's sake. It would be amazing if, because you also meet so nice people on the oh, train. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other well, thing. It's we like, would have a bus that take us to powder King and that's been gone for a couple of years now. And I used to like that cause you could sleep cause it's a four or 5 AM in the yeah. morning, wake up. It's a four hour drive. So you'd sleep all the way there and have a few apres ski beers in the, in the, uh, the van, the bus, and uh, pass on the way back and get home at nine o'clock and be like, "Well, it's a great day." Didn't have to drive. Yeah, <laughs> all those stinky Yeah, and feet. I think there should be much more, like much more of these, like powder buses and yeah, yeah ride chairs, like with kind of like yeah, bigger transport options organized again because yeah. it brings together people. And like, then you got, then you have your crew, you know, because you were talking before about like, not maybe sometimes not so easy to find your crew, but those are perfect possibilities. Yeah. Cause someone that's mm -hmm. like-minded, you go to the same places. So I uh, try snowboarding yeah. together or skiing together and see if you can uh, hang out more, which is great. Yeah. So yeah. what's your, so you're, what you're ranked third right now in the free Red Bull tour? No, I think I was fourth, wasn't I? Oh, I thought so. I, saw I the just post. made the cut last year. Oh, I thought I saw the post. You were third. I was wrong, man. How do you how do you like that format of the free ride world tour? I mean, the the fact that you don't really get a preview or a pre run, right? And so you have to drop in and manage your run live, right? Yeah, I think that's probably like that's probably the hardest skill to learn to really like prepare run well and see how the snow going to be and forecast that. And then also find your run at a fast speed and not get lost. And in case something is not working out, have alternatives prepared in your head too. Um, I really like that because I think like, I mean, we're all trying to hunt untracked powder, right? And so you just can't do a competition having everybody go, go down once because then it's very tracked out. Right. So for having that untracked, you, you just need to have a visual inspection only. And also it's like much closer to actual split boarding and free riding because I mean, you're also not split boarding up somewhere and then doing one test run. And, and then, and then I was like, Oh, sweet ass. Next time I'm going to go 10 meters to the left, but you, you go up there and you charge down as good as you can. Right. And normally you try and kind of have an idea where you get yourself into beforehand. And, 
and so that's that's i feel that that's kind of the way to go with yeah prepare well and then execute well so so talking yeah. talking along those lines preparing well and executing well because you mentioned that you didn't grow up in the half pipe or in the park um you know and doing that kind of riding and you were more just like an alpinist in that sense and then you got into snowboarding free ride world tour really is a somewhat of a combination of those two right because the the idea is to be able to manage the um the extreme conditions and at the same time put together a smooth fluid run where you're in control and you're you're executing some kind of uh some kind of um trick right and and doing how how do you find that for you moving forward and and what your competition is like wow yeah i mean i'm more the 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 fast straightforward rider like i do not do many tricks tricks i wish i would do more honestly i'm also training for that but it's very hard like having a takeoff where you're not really sure what it's going to be like right um just adds adds another dimension of skill you need to have to be able to actually pull off a trick and especially because we need to land clean yeah like as soon as we are not clean as soon as we are losing control as soon as we are backslap or got a hand in the snow in the landing we are um we are losing points so and if you then count it up like in general it's like each meter of a jump you do is like one point and approximately and um if you crash full on you get like minus 25 or something i think wow. they might have changed that but you know like and that's and that's not like in free riding it's not the, the scale it's like always they try to kind of rank the riders in their um category in a fair way so sometimes the points do not really precisely um mark the like are they not precisely like i just explained that you get like um, one point per meter because you start with the first rider and they start judging the first rider and put them somewhere and then from there they judge the next rider okay did that rider go better or worse than the one before oh so that but, first rider kind of sets the baseline for everybody and yeah like, okay. yeah yeah so i was just watching i was just watching some of your runs um and i even watched one run where you're in andorra back in 2017 and watching you drop in and then having a little bit of a bobble and doing a little bit of a roll and looking at the the angle of that line and just kind of oh you know to see you grab it back and be able to manage it um, and then I was watching, I think the other one was, might've been Verbier. Um, one of your runs where you dropped in and just watching your lines and, and seeing how from your point of view, cause it was a GoPro point of view that I was watching oh, yeah. and just having to manage that, that angle and that speed. And yeah, like you said, the takeoffs and not knowing exactly like how far the landing is and what kind of landing it's going to be. And then to have to execute a trick. Man, it's it's demanding. Yeah, hey, it's demanding, and mm. it's definitely, um, you know, do you find that there are riders who just huck themselves off of stuff and just hope for the best and are able to pull it off because of athleticism? Do you think, or 
Nah, uh, uh, like people who are like pull like doing crazy tricks, they are just very very good athletes. But right. also we are all very well prepared. And um, at the competitions, we now get drone footage most of the time too to look at. Okay. Um, so we kind of other than a couple of years ago, we kind of know the takeoffs. But then sometimes not really because sometimes then there is like it snows in between or whatever. Yeah. And but and still it's like a very different perspective and a very different angle. And yeah, it's own science of how to read a mountain. And but people do not launch themselves off anything if they are not sure about the landing. At least that's what I hope. Yeah. <laughs> I hope too. Because the consequence is huge, right? Yeah, the consequence is huge. And I mean, sometimes one thinks one is at some at a specific takeoff, a takeoff and one is wrong. Yeah, that's when it gets very dangerous, basically. Mm-hmm. Like that's when we see like crazy crashes and so on. If people basically just missed something. Yeah. So what's interesting for me, since we've talked to Erica and then John, uh, John didn't get in last year, I don't think, but uh, it was crazy when I watched Erica Vikander actually ride. After we talked to her, she went on the tour and it was like, man, I know her. I was just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, 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 we've chatted, I know her. And it was nice. I was always uh, kind of messaging her and, and you know, kind of keeping her stoke high when she was uh, doing the tour. I was always messaging her and being like, hey, man, it was awesome. Good seeing you on there. And yeah, it's 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 great. Now, yeah, now I've got number not another person, I, and I've seen you before because uh, the Furberg board has been something that I, you know I learned from Hampus because the show. I never knew who Ham, uh, Furberg was before we started this. We met Hampus, and I saw your board, and I was like, oh, we have to get her on the show. That was like <laughs> objective Thanks. was to get you on, definitely. And then for and then when we spoke with Hampus, he's like, oh yeah, I got you know got somebody can put on the show, and you know, so that was lots of fun. And now you, again, you'll be like, you can be to me, you'll be like. Erica, where I was like, oh yeah, now I know you, and it's a, it's a little more personal for me. I don't know just how I am with watching you guys ride. It's pretty awesome. I'm in awe. And the stuff you guys. What was awesome for me was when we talked to Erica about what really goes on and how it's really set up. My mm-hmm. whole mindset of because before I was like, oh, they're falling and this and that, not realizing that the guys aren't getting any like practice runs. You're getting very minimum, even um, minimal. Uh, you know, data on what's going on, on the mountain and if things change and the snow conditions. And cause you can see that sometimes people will go to places and they're like, Oh, they shouldn't have went there. It's ice. And it looked like it was good yesterday, but the wind and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really is, it really is a free ride world tour. Like it's, yeah. it's fantastic. And then, you know, she was saying you guys like the split, sometimes you split up the side of the mountain to go look at your, you know, to look at what's going on the day before. Well, you're not always allowed to do that. Though, no. Right? right. And that's, but that makes it fun. It's definitely yeah, it's always exciting because, uh, like, I think for for free riding on on a competition level, it just needs very skilled. Like, it needs people with skills in kind of many different kinds of snowboarding too. Yeah. Yeah. Because we have some mountains which are super mellow and nice, like some faces which are red and mellow and nice. Oh, you can at least find a mellow line, but then there are crazy faces like VIP and also fever grown where huh, there is no way to get mellow down the mountain. No. You've got to be able to ride steeps properly. Yeah. And manage and, your, manage your risk, your uh, rock 
the rocks because yeah, a lot of sharks sticking out to and yeah and everything and then you also got to be able it's not really helping if you're just good in untracked powder because you might have a later starting number and then you also got to be able to yeah. really deal with tracks yeah and which is hard on a snowboard to oh, be honest yeah. i think skiers have it easier there yeah Agreed. and 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 so but it's it's also it never gets boring like even if you've been riding the same mountain maybe like three years in a row like it's always a different face again because the snow builds up differently every year and yeah it, and you have different conditions and so on so it's it's i feel that yeah just free riding is such a interesting sport in the sense that it's always changing mm -hmm. like like Absolutely. even your whole mountain where you've been for the last 20 years changes yeah. <laughs> that's so cool it is it is how was japan when was your first experience in japan wow overwhelming <laughs> like <laughs> japan as a culture and as yeah. a country is just crazy and then the snow is crazy too. It's just the amounts of snow. <laughs> like when you just, because I mean, that's the cool thing about the free world too, too. Hey, eh? we arrive somewhere and normally when we are lucky, we got a couple of days with all the crew and we just go shred hard all together and, and just figure out fun stuff to do. And it, it, it was crazy for me because I just got, um, randomly went off the slope maybe a couple of meters and there must have been some there was some ditch or something underneath all these crazy amounts of snow and it just gets stuck oh. but not like stuck till like your knees but rather stuck to your head oh, <laughs> kind of and had to you know i was just going and it was like like a whoop and then I was standing there like, oh my God, I got to dig myself out. Now I have to walk back to the slopes somehow. Like the amount of snow is just crazy. Yeah. And, and, and then the culture there is amazing too. It's like so different to us, like, or to us, like so different to the things I know in Europe. Mm -hmm. And also Canada is different because I haven't been much in the US, I've only more or less been in Canada, but, but, but Japan is a whole different thing again. Oh yeah. It's like how to communicate with people, how to say hi and everything. It's just so different, everything. And yeah, then the, you can't read anything. <laughs> and the snow, I mean, I know you talked about the depths of the snow, but the quality of the snow too, from what I've heard, what yeah. we've, from people that we've talked to is that it is a different kind of snow. Hey. Yeah, it is different. So fluffy and and then yeah, it's just it's really hard to describe. I mean, I feel that it should be the aim of pros of like snowboarders or people loving snow. <laughs> if you love snow, you should probably go out and try and get a taste of every snow there is around. <laughs> so Japanese snow is definitely a good one to have a taste of. We like their food. As well as Canadian <laughs> snow, I have to say. Oh, yeah. So if we talk about kicking horse, it's oh, like yeah. That was amazing for me to experience the first time. It's like the champagne pow, it's like the yeah. How? Yeah. Aside from the snow, how did you, how did you find? What was your, what was your opinion on kicking horse as far as for the free ride world tour compared to Europe? 
I mean, it's super nice that they opened Ozone up for us um, as a, the phase where we've been competing on. That was super, or is super exciting. And it's just, it, it's also so cool because it kind of faces the resort. Right. So you got a cool life crew just sitting opposite and you like stand in the stargate and you look over and it's like the whole ridge is full of people watching and shouting. And that's really, really cool. And, and then also what I never experienced in Europe is these like snake runs through the forest inbounds. We did that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. It was wow, like, wow, so much fun. Darren did it. We finished. Well, we both did it. And we're like, we asked, um, what was his name? Not, uh, don't ask me people we were riding with. I don't remember their names. <laughs> Chris? Drew's, Drew's buddy. Or? Drew's buddy. Oh, um, oh, no. Anyways, he's, he's, he's a, he's ben. a, uh, Ben. Ben's a, uh, a ski patrol there. So we asked him, like, so what's, you know, what's the degree of pitch on that? He's like, oh, what? What did he say? Like, 35, 40? Oh, the first drop that we went to, um, he took us along a ridgeline. I can't remember the name of the run. Neither I. But we got to the top and we, and he stopped and he's like, yeah, we can drop in here. And I I looked at him and I looked down and I went, I'm not going to lie, man. That's the steepest line I've ever looked at. Yeah. (laughs) So I might be side slipping most of this, but we'll see how it goes. And uh, I think I made it 50 yards down and I finally threw a toe side turn and then, okay, I got this. And then started doing the turns and, Came out at the bottom of that run just super stoked and just so glad that I hit an angle like that and did that run. And I came out and I said to Ben, I'm like, what degree angle? Like, what angle do you think that was? He's like, yeah, 35 degrees. And I'm like, there's no way. No way, man. man. That, <laughs> that was like steeper than that. But, deep. Uh, you know, learn and learn. Right? Yeah. But it's fun. It's in the people that go there, that the, the go there on a regular basis, the inbound stuff is, is phenomenal. Like, you, you got to, you will become a good snowboarder or skier going there there's no two ways yeah absolutely and also so like there's super nice drops inbounds Mm -hmm. and then there is all these forest runs and then you can like find gaps and stuff and you can find serious pillow lines like super dangerous serious pillow lines inbounds (laughs) too like yeah i mean the pillows is something we we have in europe but yeah you feel that there is like the snow builds up different in canada yeah, we um we got there after like three days or four days after a big dumping, and then as we left, it dumped again. So we didn't we get the wind the window was off for us. It just didn't it was happen. off, but we still got to enjoy some good shoots and stuff like that. So it was it was an amazing. It was the first time I'd ever been to Kicking Horse, and I was just blown away by the terrain and the availability. That was great of of the yeah. different types of runs that you could do. You know, so. So interesting. So when you got you went there for the free ride world tour to do the tour, but you did get some time to do some runs around and, and enjoy the resort. Yeah, absolutely. And in my first year there, I was also like 2018 was my first year there. Yeah. And I was even like, yeah, doing the tour basically over to Mount Baker with a car. And looking at the Baker Bank and everything too. Oh yeah. So I kind of crossed crossed Arthur's Pass, crossed the Rockies and yeah, just looked at landscape and, and trees and mountains there. and snow. And and it's just I mean the, the the crazy thing for me is in Kicking Horse, if you if you would would go down the back side of it, like in one direction, then you're in a valley where yeah. you 
basically could die. Yeah. Because a you in the are backside. Yeah. I've seen, we were there so far away from everything, everything with the snow is like, you just want, like it just, it's, it's like, it's calling you because it looks so beautiful when you're like, yeah. oh, no, I'm not going there because <laughs> yeah. getting out might not happen. Or if it is, it's a couple yeah. of hours. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> so you got a kitty cat in the background. Oh yeah, he's always meowing. He wants soft food. <laughs> <laughs> Treats. So when is uh is everything scheduled again this year? I don't know what's happening with the Free Ride World Tour this year, but what's uh are you guys back online or is it happening or yeah, right now we're all scheduled. It is going to happen um, as far as one can foresee now anyways. Um, we have our first stop in Baquera Berre, which is in Spain. So mm. Spanish tapas for the start um, and the Pyrenees. And we have to, it will be on the weekend. It should, oh, like, well, let me just, I'm just opening my calendar now. Um, <laughs> it is. We'll go down on the weekend of the 22nd, 23rd of January. Okay. Um, so that's where we start. And then we move on to Andorra, which is also in the Pyrenees, mm -hmm. which is happening a bit later. It's just two weeks later or something, or even just one week. I just love how they've, they've everything is live. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's I just love that. It's so good. And I, I'm finding now that um, natural selection is kind of doing the same thing within North America with the three stops. We're trying to make things as live as possible and on YouTube and streaming. And it's just great. I think that's where snowboarding needs to be and skiing both. Um, so you can follow your favorite, you know, ski and snowboarders. Because people are throwing, I find yeah. this, the skiers throw down like a bunch of savages. <laughs> Yeah. I watch and I'm just like, man, you know, standing, being able to go straight down versus like standing sideways in, in some of those competitions is definitely an advantage. There's no question. Um, Absolute advantage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's no question. And there's also, I mean, there's a vital exchange between the Freeride World Tour and the Natural Selection because now we got Marion Erti mm -hmm. who won the, the Snowboard Women's category now three times or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think. Well, she, no, I won, she won in... Um, Jackson, right? Yeah, She's but she is now like I think the this upcoming year she is like not doing the free ride world tour at least not in the beginning, but she's like on natural selection. Oh. So there's a, and I mean Travis Rice was competing on the free ride world tour in Jackson. That was sick. Yeah. Yeah, and also in Japan. Oh yeah, that's right, Japan. Yeah, as well. Where he threw the crazy backflip. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Just, I like, there that. was no visibility, man. That yeah. guy's like a ninja. He, he's a ninja. Yeah. He is yeah, super, super, super strong too. dude though too. Oh, oh yeah. He's just a monster. I remember watching him when he was young, just kind of breaking the scene and doing these massive jumps and you can see his legs are just these tree trunks just sticking everything. And then the funny, the funny joke is, I don't remember where the, which video was now, but he went from like riding these big hits and quitting the competition and getting into a limousine and going home. <laughs> but that's the only thing they could use. There's, suppose there's a backstory of that about whether it's the only mode of transportation. Oh, it was his grad party. Yeah, he's going to party. his grad party. That's it. <laughs> Just awesome. But yeah, he's. Uh, I love what they're doing with the natural selection. Definitely um, 
I, yeah, it's I like that competition. One step forward. Yeah. yeah, it is versus just, you know, how fast can you throw yourself, you know, turn your body 16 degrees or 16 times in one direction, another direction and land like a cat. Well, that's not realistic. Yeah. It's like, it's insane, to, you know, cool that they're doing it, but you know, I have, I see a lot more, um, it's more enjoyable to watch, like even watching the whole, uh, last year, all three of their events at the, at the natural selection were awesome. It was just great to watch. Uh, snow looked great. The fun that everybody had fun together and it was a lot of camaraderie versus a big competition, right? Which is awesome. Yeah. Which is, I think, which snowboarding is all about, like oh, yeah. it's a big camaraderie and not a big competition. I mean, you know, we also have competitions and we, I guess we, I think we also need competitions to, and filming and movies to push the level yep. and to kind of inspire as well, because like, yeah, it's just cool to watch people do cool stuff. <laughs> well, back in the nineties, there was a whole Crested Butte area had these crazy, um, backcountry uh, competitions as well. I remember sponsoring a couple of guys. Paul Elkins was a guy he used to sponsor out of the Crested Butte area and uh, for Coosport. And I, I didn't understand it because I lived in Ontario where it was ice and, you know, and but that was the beginning of it all. And I think that kind of went away because competition or um, half pipe were taking over and, you know, slope style. And it's awesome to see that progression of snowboarding going into the backcountry. And yeah, it's awesome. I think it's great. Hopefully we can get a split boarding competition of some sort happening. Um, I'm not sure how that would work, but we've had some ideas. Yeah, definitely can work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, before we were just, because now I got it open here before we were just stopping and when the free road world tour stops are. So the next one is the end of January to beginning of February. We are in Andorra mm -hmm. again, and then we're coming over for you guys to kick in horse in February. <laughs> from the 12th to the 17th of February. Oh, we should try to go. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually planning to stay longer in Canada. So if some of the listeners have like tips and places where I should come, where we should come, we're going to be a female squad of snowboarders hitting the road a bit and staying a bit longer in Canada if everything goes well. And yeah, let us know or DM me maybe on Instagram in Nice. directly because it's like uh, yeah i love to explore so <laughs> yeah like and also like if you have like any tips for responsible or like for environmental friendly businesses and innovation in that sector where we can just have a look and learn then i'm super keen on that and then anyways free ride world tour goes on then there's the cut and then we have two finals this year which is in Fieberbrunn again in austria so kind of my home stop um, from the 15th to the 20th of March. And then we have Switzerland, Extreme Verbier, um, on the Bec de Ross, which is uh, such a steep mountain. It's like crazy that it's even rideable. Um, on the 26th of March to sort of April. So no and, Japan this yeah. year, because they're still not allowing everybody in there. Yeah. And I mean, oh, I'm really hoping so much that we can have like, a proper tour this year without too many COVID restrictions, because honestly, it's so much more fun if you have a live audience. Oh yeah. Like it, for everything, it's like fun for competing, having a live audience, but then also 
I mean, I'm making movies or I'm like part of different movie projects all the time and trying to progress there too. And it's just so much more fun if you have like cinema tours with a live audience and you feel the stoke and the love of everyone. And like, that's what you did it for. Like you fight so hard for like one specific line. And then you just, it's like, want to see how people like it or if they also don't like it. (laughs) I I get that. Do you find at the tour when you have the live audience, like the, the, the spectators there, like you mentioned, you know, how you liked Ozone at Kicking Horse because you had the crowd on the, the opposite ridge who were watching. Do you find that they give you energy? Yeah, it's just, it's just like, I mean, we're trying, I mean, yeah, it's a competition, but also we are trying to put on a good show. And so right. I'm like, sweet ass, there's people who like <laughs> want to see what, what we can do. And yeah, here I am. And I'm going to give my best to kind of, show what we can do and yeah, get people into the sports too and make them like inspire them to just go out and do stuff and fly and sometimes maybe also crash. <laughs> it's also yeah, part of it. Right? It's part of pushing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been an awesome, so, this is uh Oh, sorry. No, no. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, 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 no. I was uh, sorry. I interrupted you. This is uh I'm excited to see you ride this year and hopefully we can make it out to kicking horse. I think I, I would love to go back again. We had a great time there and the food was fantastic. And, uh, yeah, I, I like the, uh, the riding was better. The, yeah. But that breakfast at that, at the kicking horse, at the kicking horse base, I forget the name of the mm-hmm. location now, but they have a good breakfast and coffee. Double black. I think it's called. Right. Yeah. That was good. I enjoyed yeah, that. Yeah, that's really good. I love their coffee too. Yeah, we enjoy their breakfasts. It's good, good. And the sandwiches there are yeah. really good. So we have packable, roll it up, stick it in your pack and eat it later on. So good. But the train yeah. is amazing. And then to to be there live to watch the tour and that, that would be cool. It's, I mean, that would be Yeah, I think we're going to have to talk about it. Yeah. And I mean, that's something I actually want to mention too, is like live streams are great, but it's even more impressive actual life on site. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Because then like in, at some of the Euro stops, they have the live stream on big screens and then you can also see the live action actually like mm-hmm. live. And it's just so amazing to see humans on such big, serious mountains yeah. doing you know, the first time, like, I always like to be the first category because then I can watch the others, right? <laughs> it's, I, it's really so cool to watch, even after many, like, comps I've seen. It's pretty amazing. So if you've got time, I encourage encourage everyone to go and watch it live, live, like, in real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to talk about it. February 12th. Yeah. Bam. Well, listen, I think this has been an awesome conversation and, uh, man, I'm stoked we finally got this out of the way. We gave a board away. We gave what, it's some over? waxes and some Sam's meal bars. Yeah. And a grill mount. Yeah. I think it, that sounds like it's, uh, maybe, yeah, I think we're at two hours. I think it would be awesome. I think that's to, a good number. Right I think there. maybe it would be great if we can make it to the, to the freeway world tour this year in uh, golden to get you and Erica to talk. That'd Follow up with you guys live. Yeah. 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 yeah that would be fun. Yeah. We'll have to get some more mics and headphones, but post that's okay. Post comp. Yeah. 
<clears throat> but anyways, we uh, appreciate your time today and actually last weekend as well, having a great conversation while you're on the train and um, <laughs> that was super excited to uh, see you, watch you ride and hopefully meet you this year. And uh, thank you so much for your time. And any sponsors you want to promote or drop some thank yous, this is definitely the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a long list of brands supporting me, which I'm super thankful for because I couldn't do without you guys, um, which is ABS um, backpacks and pure outerwear and Schulbo, um goggles and... I'm so scared that I forget a lot of things, SP bindings and Fuhrberg snowboards and well, yeah. What about your goggles? Gloves. What was your goggles? Yeah, I mentioned Shulbo, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm generally like all these brands I'm like working with, they're trying to, to, yeah, I mean, they're trying to kind of sell stuff and make money, but they're also trying to do good things like looking after the environment. Pure is working on a, like is working with a lot of recycled polyester and a closed cycle, um, a closed cycle for um, kind of recycling all the products, which is super complex with a multi-layered functional outerwear. It's amazing. So a lot of things are moving in the right direction in the auto industry, I think. And now we just hope that everything works despite having a virus on the earth. So, you know, yeah. you got to kind of look at it. I look at it as a, there's definitely some positive and there's definitely some negative going on. I think if you focus on the positive, I think moving forward in life, we're going to be a little bit happier and a little more. I think we needed to be reset, reset, reconnected. That's yeah, I, I agree. It. Once we go and split boarding is a great way to connect and I think reconnect. This, yeah. I think split boarding is taking a huge leap forward because of all this shutdowns around the world and it's uh, yeah. giving people the Which opportunity to go in the mountains as a group together. Touring, touring and no, not just snowboarding, but skiing as well. Touring has been great. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to get out this year. So hopefully we'll get out next weekend to go at least get some turns in and see what happens. Yeah, and just enjoy the outdoors. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. 100%. Well, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, it's been great. We'll connect soon and um, you have yourself an amazing evening. Thank you for having me again. It's like so amazing that you guys do the podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing. starts. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's not amazing without amazing people like oh, you. Yeah, it's all you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Take care, Manuela. Take care. Hey everybody, thanks for listening and a special thanks to Manuela for taking the time to talk with us. As always, you can learn more about Manuela on our guest tab at darkstarts.ca. And hey all, if you're loving the podcast, then be sure to hit that subscribe button, drop us a review and share it with your crew. Also, don't forget to visit our website at darkstarts.ca and follow us on Instagram at darkstarts.podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode of Split Decisions, where we talk skins with Jackson Keogh of Big Sky Mountain Products. While you're waiting for that one to drop, maybe go back and have a listen to our episode, Echo Friendly is the Future, with Erica Vikander, also a top woman's rider on the Free Ride World Tour. Chad and I want to give a special thanks to the Dark Starts team for helping to make all of this happen. Stay safe out there, all. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>